Welcome to the Corporate Venturing Insider Series, where I interview top practitioners in the CVC world and learn with you the best practices and golden nuggets that they have accumulated over their career. In this episode, we will be learning from Jason Miles, Managing Director at the VSF Innovation Ventures. Jason, could you take a few minutes to share your story and how you got to where you are today? Great. Thanks for having me, Nicholas. I really think that this is a great initiative and there's quite a lot of momentum behind corporate venturing as a whole. I started my career in the late 90s before the dot-com bubble as an investment banker with Robertson Stevens, which was one of the four horsemen of San Francisco. From Robbie Stevens, I moved over to Bank of America Securities, where I focused on continuing to raise capital for private companies, but more so on the late stage and traditional um, private equity stages. After B of A, uh, I moved over to another boutique investment bank called Viant, Viant Group, where we did early stage M&A transactions. With that background, I wanted a little bit more exposure to how transactions affect corporate strategy. And I moved over to Bank of America's corporate arm and focused on doing corporate development transactions, large joint ventures, small acquisitions, especially in the financial services and mortgage sector. After B of A, I went and got my MBA at Wharton and continued to round out some of the more financial and technical aspects of my career. So after I was the head of strategy for a $7 billion fund in San Francisco, we were really focused on emerging managers, folks with less than $2 billion that were really startup investment managers. After that, I really wanted to focus more on the creation side of the market. I founded a small fintech startup called Crave It. Most of you have not heard of it and won't hear of it, <laughs> but it was focused on crowdfunding and blockchain and how those new technologies could be applied to e-commerce and how it could, quote unquote, democratize the purchases of retail items. I'm a banker by trade, so I'm not an engineer, and it was a good experience with product development from a pure engineering and technology standpoint, and really understanding how these things interact and how the various parts of the puzzle come together to create something for the market. A couple of years ago, I joined Volvo Group um, Volvo and Volvo Financial Services in particular to lead their corporate venturing effort around innovation in the fintech space. So being an entrepreneur while also working with small startups that are looking for product market fit. Overall, that's my background, about 20 years of experience across financial services, technology, and more, most recently, mobility and logistics. This is a good segue to talk about FOMO. Yes, exactly. We focus on late seed companies all the way through late series A and companies that are very close to product market fit or they have product market fit, but they just have not explored the commercial vehicle sector. In order to assess that, we typically look for companies that have traction with other global 2000 corporations. Obviously, given where we focus in the OEM space, FinTech is a huge sector for us. ACES, which stands for Autonomous Connected Electric and Shared Vehicles. And then from a bigger perspective, all of this has to play into data orchestration and an analytics model that can help us create that network effect that I was describing before. 
that's a high level view of VFS innovation ventures. We typically play again at an early stage where we're putting up to a million dollars to work with small startups. We like to work with folks that already have or could potentially have a relationship with VFS. So if there's a startup that has a product that could be applied to something that we do, then we're willing to work with them. Our first investment was in a company called Rain, which is an insure tech platform. They are a good example because they had product market fit within the drone space and the agriculture sector, but they had not had any exposure to the commercial vehicle sector, but their platform had high applicability to commercial vehicles and we brought them on board. So that's a little bit about me and about Volvo Financial Services. Nicholas, to your point, maybe we could talk about some of the biases and FOMO. Oh, we will. But actually, what I like, you talked about you and you talked about Volvo, but you also talked about the company you have innovated in. And I think that's one of the good traits for any corporate VC is to really make sure that we talk about our portfolio company. We all know about the innovator's dilemma. I'm wondering if you can talk about your view about the investor's dilemma. Tell us about your way of thinking there. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, especially from a corporate VC's perspective. I think the dilemma for any investor is around two things. The first is which investments to select. And that means industry, company, founders, management team, all of those things that we all think about. And the second is when to invest. It's timing and selection. The, the interplay between timing and selection increases the level of biases that I think investors have whenever they're making a decision. For example, last year, Tesla was two or $300 per share, and now it's about $1,300, $1,400 per share. Not much has changed in the thesis behind what Elon Musk is doing, but the investor interest has increased exponentially for a variety of reasons, market-based reasons, financial reasons, et cetera. And as an investor, you have to manage your own biases to determine when you're going to get in to a particular investment. Public markets are very easy to get in and get out of. Private markets are extremely difficult to get in and to get out of. So your biases become even more impactful on your decision-making because you're essentially beholden to your investment decisions for a longer period of time. So that's really the dilemma. Make a selection, get in at the right time, because that's going to give you the outsized return that you're looking for. If you get in too early, that's equivalent to getting in too late. <laughs> so I have a very strong bias that corporate VCs need to be able to react fast, both after investment, but also during investment. In June, we made an investment in a company from the first meeting with CEO to the money transfer was 25 days. So I have a very strong bias, yeah. but I'm going to challenge myself and challenge you. Do you actually think that for corporate VCs, we need to move fast or actually because we bring so much more than just money, maybe timing is not that important? That is a great question. And I think that this goes back to my banking background. I think that you can structure your way through some of the biases that you have. If you want to move very fast, then the structure of the, term of the deal that you get into needs to meet that level of speed. On the other hand, if you want to move slowly, then there's ways that you can insert yourself into the startup's capital structure without 
slowing the startup down. So you could help them with a bridge note or you can do warrants in between a round or you can negotiate equity at a future round based on the terms of the current commercial structure. You can balance it out where you don't miss the deal, right? That's a lot of what I've helped design in Volvo Financial Services is how do you structure a transaction so that you don't get whipsawed, but you also don't have to move so fast that the corporate doesn't feel comfortable and you don't move so slowly that you miss the opportunity. There's a deal to be done for everyone, right? Your background in deal making is really important here because I think a mistake I've seen is people think that if you've missed a round, you've missed the opportunity to get involved. And that's totally not true. If you can bring value, then you will be able to get a deal. You have this experience of product creation from scratch and you've done it. And does that mean you could fall into the danger of trying to be too active with the companies you invest? At the end of the day, you're an investor, you're there to support them. But if you see them doing something you believe is a mistake, it's very tempting to say, no, you should do this and that. So I wonder if that's a danger you aware of? Is that a bias that you need to be careful about? Or do you think it's an advantage? Yeah, I think it could be an advantage or a disadvantage, depending on how active you become. One of the things that we structure into our deals is not a board seat, but a board observer seat. We don't really impact the startup's roadmap, but we do have a view on the startup's roadmap. So 100%, we have a lot of impact on the products and the ventures that we see on our strategic roadmap and the startups that we work with insert themselves or have to be a part of that roadmap. So we influence that 100%. What we don't influence is the startup's additional roadmap outside of what they're doing for Volvo. And we don't want to do that because again, we are focusing on companies that are at their very early stages. So we want them to use their core competence and leverage it to grow. We're completely aligned there because we're equity holders. That makes um, sense. And maybe a double click here. When you say we influence, do you mean the corporate VC, VFS, or do you mean Volvo, the business groups? Both, because we work very closely together. So again, part of our criteria is we won't invest if there is not an existing or highly potential commercial opportunity with the startup. And really what that means is our investment is tied one-to-one with the commercial relationship. So you cannot invest without? Yeah, it's not stated condition, but it is an unstated condition. (laughs) It's not a condition that's in our investment charter, so to speak. So potentially you could make exceptions. We could make exceptions, but it would be a difficult exception to make. And some of this, Nicholas, is just because we're at our early stage of development as a CVC. In 10 years, we might make bets that are moonshots, but for right now, we're really focused on driving an agenda over the next five to 10 years, and there's no reason for us to to go outside of that agenda. No, that makes sense. I want to talk about something I was very impressed with, how you design your corporate VC, which is all about very good execution after investments. But in your presentation, you mentioned you're the big ID guy. And so tell me about how you balance this personal tendency to be more on the big ID and how you make sure that the execution actually is going to be flawless or as close to flawless as possible. That's a great question. I have a sincere belief and bias towards CVCs that are tied directly to their corporations or their mothership's strategy. 
And that strategy should have a five to 10 year outlook. If you're in more of the transformation bucket, then you need to look very far out. And that's where the big idea mentality comes from is how do you envision the company in five to 10 years? And then how do you get there? So part of it is an internal strategic cell around where do we view ourselves in five to 10 years? So, so if I ask about the first company you invested in, I like to think about two ways when you make an investment. You look at everything that can go wrong, but you also look at how well it can do if everything goes right. So for your first investment in five years, if everything goes right, what do you think they will become? In five to 10 years, if everything goes right, Volvo, particularly Volvo Financial Services, will have a fully connected insurance platform where all of our vehicles are attached and insured by us through our partner. That's why we've invested in this company because they allow access to insurance carriers across the world. You're giving me a very good transition to a question. What you're saying is a huge strategic success and financial success. Are you financial or strategic? Is it a trick question? It is an overlap. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier around the investor's dilemma. That choice between financial and strategic and the overlap, the overlap is your investment selection, right? You don't invest if there is no overlap. That overlap has a wide spectrum in between it, but it has to overlap. I once tried to develop a model that could quantify strategic versus financial fit. And what happened was every investment I put into it, the ones that were one or the other, they didn't meet our criteria. The ones that were between 40% and 60% met our criteria. So that just led me to believe that if there's no strategic fit, then I'm not gonna invest. If there's no financial fit, then I'm not gonna invest. So it has to be that overlap. VFS Innovation Ventures is the best way for startups to gain access to Volvo Group and to test their product in the commercial vehicle space. We provide capital, we provide uh, advice, and we also provide, as I mentioned before, scale that a startup probably wouldn't have without us. We're in a, a great position because we operate in an OEM space and we're an oligopoly. So there's only three to five players. And after that, it falls off pretty quickly. So for a startup to get access to one of us, it means it's a huge win for them from not only a value perspective or valuation perspective, but also from a product development perspective. I'm impressed. What I like is that you start about the value and the benefits you bring to the entrepreneurs. I'm very impressed because <laughs> I totally did not prepare you for the question. And it's really a good way of starting and explaining the value. And it was not obvious to me that there are very few companies that can actually be in that space. And to bring them scale and a, and a place where they can grow, this is a huge deal. There's very few companies in the world that truly have global scale, meaning they operate in over 20 to 30 countries. I mean, we're in 100 countries. And OEMs are, are really are the only companies that are in every single country, which is why I chose this sector to build an, that integrated network. So... On that topic, is there something that you feel you could have made a mistake, but because of the network and maybe other people that have given you advice, you realize would have been a mistake and was good to avoid? 
Yeah, here's one that I think we've successfully avoided, but it's been difficult to avoid. I'll say it that way because we haven't made the mistake, but we're always in danger of making the mistake. And it comes back to your biases. Once you have a great thesis and a great selection criteria, you have to be very strong and disciplined about not veering from your criteria. If you've developed your thesis correctly, then you shouldn't have to veer away from it. When you start veering too far away from it, that's when you introduce additional factors that you might not have known of before. So for example, one of my major hurdles for making an investment in a startup is because I'm a strategic partner and I'm a CVC, is do they have a financial partner at the table? that has nothing but financial motivation. So do they have a traditional VC on their board or do they have an angel that has a banking background? Someone with pure financial motives makes the VC, makes the startup much more disciplined about the decisions that they make. And that's one area where you could potentially as a CVC say they don't have any financial investors, but they do meet our financial and strategic fit, so we should just make the investment. But by doing that, you introduce additional biases that you might not otherwise see because they don't have the financial discipline of having just a cutthroat, quote unquote, financial guy at the table. So that's where I can see the bias creeping in. I think you're making a very good point because we I've seen the spectrum of CEOs who only want to do financial VCs and they don't want to do CVCs anymore or not, all the way to the ones that only wants to do CVCs. If you can talk a little bit about these biases and what do you think is a key message you want the audience to leave with? Because I think everything we do is about decision making and investment and so on. But is there a message on bias that you really want people to leave this webinar today? and really deeply think about. Yeah, I do. The three biases that I really think about pretty often, and I think every investor should think about, we've talked a lot about investment selection. You have to choose right. And that comes from making a great thesis up front and having your criteria very clearly defined. The second bias is around FOMO or fear of missing out. And that has to do with the timing. The third bias, which has been the elephant in the room, just in terms of our industry, whether it's corporate VC or general venture capital, is diversity. I tie that back to the first two in a number of ways. From an investor standpoint, innovation is locally owned, but globally executed. It can come from just about anywhere. And we live in a much more connected world where in the past folks thought of investment, especially early stage investment from a risk mitigation standpoint. Now I think people are starting to think about it from a return perspective and diversity of thought, diversity of culture, diversity of gender, culture, ethnicity, beyond just the, the moral and the social benefits, I think bring benefits and investment return taking risk in terms of the thoughts that are around the table and the people that are around the table, I think really enhance the ability of a CVC or a VC to make great investments. And it really allows you to look at the idea and the message and not the messenger. And that message may come in a variety of formats, depending on what part of the world you're in and what area you're focusing on. So when I think of the investor's dilemma and the biases, it spans the entire spectrum 
from the investments you make, the types of folks that you back, and the ideas that you have. That will be my key takeaway is think holistically around everything that you do because you never know when the next piece of information is going to come in. It's great, Jason. And I think I will stop here because I want to finish with something so meaningful. So thank you, Jason. It was really good. Thank you, everyone.